Peace too. It's so good though. I, I what? Peace too. Peace too. <laughs> that is not a horrible and disgusting sounding soup. That is P as in Patrick, stew as in Stewart. <laughs> <laughs> I was very lost right there. Hello, Marvelites. You're listening to Marvel's Pull List for new comics on sale, February 19th, 2020. I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Agent M. And I'm Tucker Marcus. And every week we read every single Marvel comic that comes out. We pick a couple of them that are our favorites, and then we're going to tell you about every single comic. Yeah. Yeah. It's exciting. Every book. Every week. Yeah. It's really good. We have a lot of books to cover this week. Tucker, tell me something fun. Mm, You ever see that movie Green Room? No, you know, I bought People it. People talk about it a lot. And I haven't watched it yet. I, I just watched it. I finally got around to it. Nice. That movie is so intense. Yeah. I'm usually like militant about like, I don't get up to get a drink when I'm watching a movie. I don't look at my phone. I don't go to the bathroom. I don't pause it. Nothing. That movie, I like had to like find some random BS to like text my friends about in the middle of it just to like take the pressure off for a half second. Wow. It is intense. Wow. It's so good though. Nice. It's so good. I watched a great Muppet caper. This past week, for the first time in a long time, man, Charles Grodin. Yeah. (laughs) Delight. So good. There's so many great running gags in that movie. Man, it's fantastic. I love Muppet movies. I'm watching them with the kiddo. Oh, that's awesome. She's not really paying any attention. (laughs) It's more for me, but it's fine. It's fine. (laughs) Let's dive into books. I'm going to kick things off with 2020 Machine Man, number one. We've got two stories in this issue. The first one is called Computer Love. It was written by Christos Gage with art by Annie McDonald and colors by Dono Sanchez Almara. And then the second story is called If They Be Heroes. You like my robot voice? I like it a it's lot. It's really good. Actually. Right? Written by Tom DeFalco with pencils by Mike Hawthorne, inks by Adriano Di Benedetto, and colors by Eric Arciniega with VCs Travis Lanham lettering everything. Look, one important thing if you are reading the entire 2020 saga, the Iron Man 2020 stories, make sure you read last week's issue of Iron Man 2020. That is issue number two. Before you read this, this is lots of wild robot action. X-51 is Machine Man, Aaron Stack. Mm -hmm. What about the other... 50 previous. If you know your Iron Man 2020 history uh, or Machine Man history, you know that there are other versions and he is the last one, but that plays a big part in his story. And then the second story, Tom DeFalco wrote the Machine Man story from the mid 80s and uh, sort of ties into that cyberpunky world. It's pretty cool. Nice. My first book this week is Amazing Mary Jane, number five. It's written by the wonderful Leah Williams with art by Carlos Gomez, colors by Carlos Lopez, and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. It all kicks off in this issue. It's been really fun to see how Leah and company have crafted this story because I feel like there's a bunch of different elements you have. MJ kind of establishing this new little life that she's got going on on the West Coast. We have everything going on in the movie set. We have her relationship with Peter. And then we have, like, out of nowhere, this kind of supervillain influence. And that last part is what kind of takes center stage here as things really get going. There is some really, really great action here. Overall, this week was a really great art week. So much going on in here. And between all those elements, what's really tough about that is that Leah is kind of spinning a bunch of plates and and all of them have their own kind of different tonal centers of gravity to be able to pull that all off and then like pop out the other side and hit page 20 and like make it all feel perfectly cohesive and fun and great 
is crazy to do. But when I also think about the fact that it's Leah Williams doing it, like one of the most consistently delightful writers that we have at the House of Ideas, I, I am kind of not surprised at the same time. One thing I wanted to note that I picked up on here on the last page, it's the previews of coming attractions. And it says, thanks to your support, The Amazing Mary Jane Returns, issue number six, which I was like, oh, yeah, I thought this was limited to yeah, five. Right. And so this is the end of this story. But there's more issues because so many people were buying this the series and getting excited for it. It got such support that we were able to continue doing more. So if you have not read the book, check it out. It's really cool. See what all the hubbub's about, bub. Totally. Yeah. Another delightful writer for us to talk about is Greg Pak, who writes Atlantis Attacks issue number two with art and here by Ario Anandito and Robert Gill. Colors by Rochelle Rosenberg and letters by VCs Joe Sabino. Look, number one lesson, do not betray Namor. Mm. And even if you didn't betray Namor, don't make it seem like you betrayed <laughs> Namor. You done screwed up if that's what happens. Namor's like, look, hey, y'all, I'm super cool. Like, peace and love. Everybody, I give you 24 <laughs> hours before I kill you. Everything's fine. <laughs> Unless you screw up. And woo, boy, oh, boy, the uh, the Avenging Sun going to come after you. I also really dug seeing the two versions of the Agents of Atlas yeah. uh, together. That was another one that just kind of like spun my head. I was really, really into it. Another amazing creative team, of course, is always at the helm of Captain America. And this is issue number 19, which is by ta Coates, Jason Masters, Bob Quinn, and Lucas Wernick, with colors by Matt Mila and letters by VCs Corey Pettit. This is the issue. This is the one where a huge story element is revealed to Steve Rogers. We've been playing around with a lot of dramatic irony in this series where we know things that Steve doesn't, and that's been simmering and then boiling up until this point. But the dryad is revealed here, and it's really fun to see Captain America, a character that I associate with... Um, pizza? Sure. Ham? Pizza? Clams? Pizza, yes. Brooklyn, of course. Ham? Spider-Ham? I don't know. The tenuous connections there, maybe. Clams? Now I'm getting, like, too far up the East Coast there. Are there any characters from, like, New England? Captain Marvel. There you go, Carol. She's, fr she's from Boston. Yeah. Right? Is that a good Boston accent? Yeah, I was trying true. to do it in some other show we were doing. <laughs> it was atrocious. <laughs> anyway, uh, it's really, really fun to see Steve Rogers kind of catching up in that way because I think of him as a very proactive like out on the front foot guy and I think a lot of people probably do but to see him reeling in a way and being led through you know all of these things that he was unaware of and kind of he's catching up to it's an interesting dynamic and I think it humanizes him in a way despite uh, you know all of his superpowers given his amazingly rich history and those uh, amazing uh, abs and pecs yeah, yeah. All those this is cells. a normal dude. Yeah. Just like you and super, me. Just super small. <laughs> Do you know what a dryad is? No. So I just looked it up. <laughs> it is a Greek mythological creature, okay. a like wood nymph. Okay. But I feel like there's some meaning that I don't know that yeah. Tanahasi. Yeah, is I mean, like, that's it. It's like written by Tanahasi. So like, yeah, of course, there's um, some, my brain is not going to be able to like be right there's up some to fourth speed. dimensional <laughs> yeah. business going on there all right from one captain to another we have captain marvel number 15 this is part four of the last avenger written by kelly thompson art by lee garbett colors by tamara bonvillain and letters by vcs clayton cowles man this storyline has been so wild you get to see captain marvel 
fighting her friends and looking for ways to defeat people she loves. And it's this heartbreaking story, especially in this issue where she's going up against She-Hulk and she doesn't want to do it. I love the way Lee draws She-Hulk. She is massive. She's like a bus wide. She's super swollen, just terrifying. It's really neat. But then we also get to see the captain's battle and it's Captain Marvel versus Captain America. I ain't going to spoil it, but the way Kelly writes this feels like it fits every character perfectly and just makes you buy into everything even more. The big bad in this storyline has been Vox and I don't like him. Like I (laughs) I would like to slap his wrist and tell him to stop. (laughs) With a yardstick? Ooh, let's not not get too violent. Okay, okay. You know who I would like to slap with a yardstick? Who's that? Uh, I'm not really sure. Oh, because <laughs> you ain't you ain't touching Conan. <laughs> yeah, with that. that's what I was gonna say. It's like you no one's really broadsword up your behind. Yeah, I know. <laughs> My next book, in case you couldn't tell, is Conan the Barbarian, number thirteen, written by Jim Zub, with art by Rohe Antonio, colors by Israel Silva, and letters by VCs Travis Lanham. I love to continue to like mess around with this character in this series in between like that gray area where we bounce between, you know, blood and guts and 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 steel and mysticism and and the occult and demonry. Conan having to deal with all of those things at the same time is the best. And then Jim Zub taking the reins here and writing it with so much fun, you know, it's just a delight. They also title this story uh, The People's Champion. Yeah. And all that does is make me imagine The Rock as Conan. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I look here for it. Didn't yeah. he play Hercules in a movie? That does sound right. I know right. he was the Scorpion King. Yes. And uh, that was a whole thing. I think there was one Hercules movie. Yeah. But look. Uh, He's right there. Yeah. Hollywood, you cowards. Give us The Rock as Conan. That's my my plea. Uh, but I'm not going to plea for Daredevil, issue number 18. This is part eight of Through Hell, written by Chip Zdarsky, art by Jorge Fordones, colors by Nolan Woodard, and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. Man, this book is friggin' great. Yeah. Wowie, wow. It is gritty, sweaty, tense. Everything is coming to a boil and when it all explodes man you get out of the way you've got stuff happening with Wilson Fisk Hell's Kitchen is about to be a war zone Matt Murdock is trying to figure out what the hell he's going to do the owl is making his play and like all these different pieces that are coming together and it's all just a powder keg ready to explode and it is gorgeously rendered by Jorge Fornes. It feels like it could stand up with some of the best Daredevil stories we've read and uh, it's not even done yet Shout out to Marvel Editorial to allow this to be as good as it is. So many people that contribute to these stories in so many different ways. And I think a lot of the times it's about just kind of being laissez-faire. It's about just letting the artist create. And Manship is a master. Moving on from Daredevil now to Deadpool number three. Speaking of some masters, we have writer Kelly Thompson, penciler Chris Bacallo, uh, inkers Wayne Foucher, live say Alve. Jaime Mendoza and Victor Olazaba, color artist David Curiel, and letter VCs Joe Sabino. This is another one of these issues this week where something has been building. We've known maybe things that the protagonist doesn't know, and we're starting to see these conflicts that we knew were on the way really start to hit home and these giant clashes come out as a result. It's so funny because I feel like I've become so familiar in such a short amount of time with the new status quo for Staten Island, with 
aka Monster Island, with everything that's going on there, uh, I think that speaks to Kelly's ability to just make this make perfect sense. And in a way it does, but in, in another way, it absolutely doesn't make any sense whatsoever at all. But that's kind of why it works so perfectly for Deadpool. But it's still a huge feat for uh, this creative team to pull that off and make you just completely buy in every single issue. You're just there and you're having so much fun. Deadpool's kind of advisors and those kind of around the throne His are honor guard or yeah, whatever. Exactly. They're so so much fun. Such a strange group of characters. Collab the pile. Yeah. Maybe one of my favorites. Oh yeah. What's fun in this issue is if you're an unbeatable Squirrel Girl fan, mm-hmm. Kelly pulls out something that we saw in Squirrel Girl, which is the trading cards with information. And in Squirrel yeah. Girl was information on villains. Here it's information on monsters, which I think is just so damn perfect. Yeah. It's little bits and pieces of Deadpool explaining, you know, powers and abilities and, and stuff via these trading cards for his monster friends. And speaking of things that have appeared in Unbeatable Squirrel Girl, Craven the Hunter, he doesn't come to play, but he's playing. He plays for keeps. Yeah. He got a point. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just a listener. We're both pointing in yep. a very wooden way. Yep. Plays for keeps. <laughs> yeah. You know what else plays for keeps? The Fantastic Four, issue number 19 here, written by Dan Slott, art by Sean Isaacs, colors by Marcio Menez and Eric Arciniega, with letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. This is the final part of Point of Origin, the storyline in which the Fantastic Four go to the planet they were initially meant to go to in their first adventure. All the secrets are out. Everything is revealed. You get a big throwdown. There's a moment in here where I was like, I don't hate Reed Richards. Whoa, like, I know. Dan Slott. Uh, like, Way to go. I know Reed is a D-bag for the most part, <laughs> in my opinion. He has good moments, but like my opinion of him has been painted for a long time. Yeah. Here, I was like, I, I get it. You know, he's all right. I'm, wow. with you. I'm with you, guy. And this storyline has lasting implications for the group. As they go back to Earth, they're not coming back without something. This issue also sets up a whole bunch of cool things with Wyatt Wingfoot. I love Wyatt Wingfoot. He's just a big boy, former football player. He's super cool. He's like, hey, Johnny, you're all right. Let's be friends and fix cars. Are you a former football player? Did you ever like even as a tyke? Uh, yeah, junior high. Whoa. Uh, okay. Still, that's well, much later than I th- would have guessed. I still have my jersey. Wow. Uh, that's cool. Sawanica Indians football jersey uh, from uh, on Long Island. And uh I think it was number 70 or 77 or something. Right, you know, yeah. I was just like, throw the chubby kid on the front line and <laughs> right. see if he gets pushed over. Spoiler alert, I got pushed over. <laughs> so I stopped playing. Wow, awesome. Okay. Uh, let me go again, Tucker. Yes, I want to yes, talk yes. about Ghost Spider number seven, written by Sean McGuire, art by Iguara, colors by Ian Herring, and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. If you don't know, Gwen is dimension hopping. She's going back and forth between her dimension, 65, and the Marvel Universe Prime, 616. There is a quote in here I grabbed. Uh, This is George Stacy saying this to his daughter Gwen. Quote, sometimes if I think too hard about your life, I can't form thoughts anymore. And like that idea of, of the dad just trying to figure out what his kid is up to. You take that and you magnify it a million percent because his daughter is a superhero and she is dimension hopping and all this stuff. I just love that so much. And if you have been following the adventures of the maker from Venom to Future Foundation to other books, this has a a neat little tie into all of that. Nice. Okay, getting ready for my first pick of the week, 
which is Guardians of the Galaxy number two. It is written by Al Ewing with art by Juan Cabal, colors by Federico Bli, and letters by VCs Corey Pettit. I'm kind of astounded by Juan Cabal's ability to seemingly just like reach new heights with his art on an issue by issue basis from friendly neighborhood Spider-Man through to the first guardians issue that we read last month. Now to this one, I'm like continually just blown away by what he does. I, I really firmly believe that like Al Ewing is writing Peter Quill and Peter Quill's abilities and Peter Quill's like weapons and different like ways that, that these characters fight as just so many alleys for Wonka Ball to oop and dunk. The whole sequence with Athena, like the way she's walking and the, just the visualization of the after images of her following her and these yeah. different shades, it's breathtaking. Yeah, it really is. And and no shortage of, of shouts to Federico Bli on these colors because this is some absolutely stunning stuff. Everything about this, this book is phenomenal. If you've never read a Guardians of the Galaxy comic, Pick this up. If you have been reading Guardians for years, you have to make sure you're reading this because it, it builds on everything but then takes it in, like, wild new direction. Yeah. All right. Up next, League of Legends Zed number four. It is written by Odin Austin Schaefer. Pencils by Edgar Salazar. Inks by Lorenzo Ruggiero. Colors by Chris O'Halloran. And letters by Tyler Smith of Comic Craft. Look, this is Zed. He is on uh, a path for revenge, redemption. There's action, adventure. If you are a League of Legends fan... Come on, you're all about this. And also for like Karis Pollard, other UK listeners, this book could also just be spelled League of Legends colon Z. Wow. And that's it. Yeah, uh, dear I'm, listener, I'm smoking a long cigarette right yeah, now. Yeah, <laughs> you, you can't see Tucker right now. His eyes got so thin, like tiny slits as he was saying that. I have a smoking jacket on. Yeah, it just tran- he just How about that? Okay, um, <laughs> going from League of Legends now to Marauder is the number eight which is written by Jerry Duggan with art by Stefano Caselli, colors by Edgar Delgado, and letters by VCs Corey Pettit. Can we talk about it now? We can talk about it now. I mean, it's... Okay, we're going to talk about something. If you don't want to hear about it, big old spoiler warning, go ahead and hit that 30 seconds forward button a few times till you start hearing Ryan talk about Black Widow. Okay, ready? Good. Man, K-Pride dead? Yeah. What? I like so I <laughs> you know, we haven't made a big deal about it. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. Surely something'll happen next issue and nothing's happened. Yeah. And then like that was last issue and now this issue I'm like, oh wait, what what are we what are y'all doing? Yeah. What's happening? <laughs> yeah. It is really, really crazy. You know, there had been maybe three or four moments across all of the new Don of X books where I'm just like, wait, we're are we doing this? We're okay. We're doing this. And then the issue, like another issue keeps coming out. And I'm like, Oh wow. They're, this is actually happening. This isn't a fake out. This is really going down. Uh, and that's one of them. And that's kind of what this issue is all about. We get to see each of the crew members of this book reacting in different ways to the fallout of Kate's death, which is really, really heartbreaking. There's a scene with storm and Emma Frost that, is one of the the landmark moments of this series so far for me. Those characters obviously have such a huge history. So when you have the amount of just like swirling allegiances and subterfuge and ulterior motives going on in a book like 
Marauders that just embraces the gray area so, so, so much. It's all about that. Exploring when a huge moment comes in and just kind of cracks the foundation of the whole thing and seeing how the different characters shake out after that. So fascinating you know, just continues to be, uh, you know, an absolute highlight, not just in the Don of X, just across Marvel comics in general. Heck yeah. Yeah. So good. So dang good. All right, let's move on to Marvel's Black Widow Prelude. Number two, written by Peter David, art by C.F. Via, colors by Chris Sotomayor, and letters by VC's Travis Lanham. This one covers a whole bunch of different moments in the MCU, whether it is uh, the numerous Avengers films, particularly Marvel's The Avengers and Age of Ultron, uh, as well as the relationship that Black Widow has with Hulk and more, and um, does have some dialogue and elements that are not seen in any of the films. It is not Natasha dialogue, I will be uh, clear, but it does have bits and pieces that will be sort of relevant to to her journey. All right, my first pick of the week is up next, and it is Marvel's Voices number one. This is a giant anthology book, which means it's got dozen stories in here, different creative teams, different lengths of stories, and it all ties into our Marvel's Voices podcast, which is hosted by Angelique Roche. The idea here is to give uh, stories by, you know, numerous voices of uh, across Marvel Universe, people of color from all walks of life, telling cool stories featuring all kinds of characters. And this really does run the gamut of all so many Marvel characters. Big shout out here to editor Chris Robinson, who has the Herculean task of putting together a book like this, which has dozens of creators and you know just the juggling act to put this together is huge and to make it good and fun and cohesive and you know you keep going from one story to another can be difficult and it it soars it sings and i i honestly i can't read every creative team yeah. that would be like 10 minutes of reading yeah, all this the creators. is a marvel comics 1000 level number of creators yeah uh, and there's a brutal wolverine story in madripoor with wolverine versus hulk and it has this one panel where I was like, whoa, Sanford Green drawing the hell out of it. I love seeing Sanford. But there's a ton of creators in this issue. My favorite story, though, in this book is by my friend, James Monroe Iglehart. And he is here with uh, Ray Anthony Height, Nate Lovett, and Emilio Lopez. They do a story called Inspiration. And I didn't know what it was at first. And then it flips it. It is a Spider-Man-related story. But it's so cool, and I didn't know it was their story at first. The credit for it is at the end of the story. And so I went into it just being like, this is cool, this is cool. Oh, I want this as a full book. And then I I read the credit, and I was like, damn, James. Uh, James is one of the co-hosts of This Week in Marvel, but he's also a Tony Award-winning Broadway superstar. Yeah. And seeing him like kick it makes me so happy. Ray Anthony Hyatt, so good. This has got a ton of creators doing amazing stuff. Brian Stelfreeze, two pages, Black Widow. That right there should get you in the door. Everything else is icing on the cake. Really great. Okay, the next book this week is New Mutants, number seven, Back to the Dawn of X. This is written by Jonathan Hickman with art by Rod Rice and letters by VCs Travis Lanham. Look, Rod with this art is so, so, so perfect. I often think about like, hmm, in some dream reality where I could just cast my own comic book. He's way up there. I love what he does. There's an amazing 
texture to his colors specifically. And I think some of these dialogue scenes that we have in here just place you right inside these characters' minds, right between them as they're talking. And there's just something about it that is so, so perfect. You have these dynamic panels. You get these flashes of like a Christian ward in the colors. And then at other times, it feels very, very rooted in classic like 1983 New Mutants because it just has that little bit that's just a little tiny bit off. It's a little bit scratchy. It's a little bit different. You know, this is one of those sleeper hits for me that kind of woke me up in my chair as I was reading all these issues. I was like, I really love New Mutants. This is so much fun. It is uh, you know, it's exactly what I want from a new mutant series. I want these characters who are these these young mutants who are an Airsats family. They have very different dynamics between all of them, but it's very familiar, all of it. And I want them thrown out into space and I want them dealing with different crap. And I want them, you know, just uh, together at the end of the day. And so it has all of that. It has just this perfect tone. It's everything that I want from new mutant series. I just think it's so, so excellent. Again, back to Marvel Editorial, Jordan D. White, the ex-editors, Annalise, Chris, everybody, because the level of these Dawn of X books has been so mind-bendingly high. It is crazy, and New Mutants is definitely right up there. I said this to you before we started recording, that this feels like Jonathan is just having a good time. Yeah. Like, you could tell he's having fun, but at the same time, it feels very purposeful that Jonathan is writing this story with these characters, this book in the midst of all the things that he has helped devise. It's not a coincidence that he's just getting to write his favorite characters, Cannonball and Sunspot. That is a perk, but it feels very important. Yes, I Uh, With a capital I, whether that's (laughs) something we'll know about now or later, because I remember in, you know, I think it was one of the House of X or Powers of Ten covers, there was a, like, Visions of the Future. Right. And there's one that ties into this book. (laughs) <laughs> in certain ways. And I was like, oh, Jonathan, you <laughs> sneaky little devil. Anyway, let us move on to Revenge of the Cosmic Ghost Rider, number three, written by Dennis Hopeless Hallam, art by Scott Hepburn, colors by Antonio Fabella, and letters by VCs Travis Lanham. I want to give a shout out to Scott Hepburn, one of my favorite artists who just draws weird. He just lets his weird go. There's a monster in here. It's like the Cosmic King dude. He's got like teeth coming out and tentacles and arms and he's just gnarly and the like level of freakish space oddity here is so much fun and is a blast. This one does have some interesting moments for Cosmic Ghost Rider looking at his past, sort of fleshing out a couple things, but at the end of the book, like set something up that is Pretty interesting for the future of Cosmic Ghost Rider, and we'll see how that pans out. Yeah, agreed. Speaking of young heroes who are a family, just like with New Mutants, this is Runaways number 30. It's written by Rainbow Rowell with art by Andres Genolet, colors by D. Kunif, and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. We are in the midst of the cannon fodder story arc, which is the runaways taking on costumed, traditional, old school superhero mantles for the first time alongside Doc Justice as the J team. This issue is taking things to a climactic point where the runaways are starting to figure it out about what's going on with Doc Justice. Just this entire fun, like 
turn that this book has taken into the Doc Justice and Jay team, like story arc and everything, has just been such a delight. Yeah, and if you are a Gert fan, yeah, uh, we get Gert in action. Uh, also, someone points a gun at Old Lace, so I hope that person <laughs> burns forever. Yeah, do not point a gun yeah. at my sweet little dinosaur yeah. friend. <laughs> okay, now we go back to the multiverse with. Valkyrie Jane Foster, number eight. This is written by Jason Aaron and Torin Gronbeck with art by Kafu, colors by Jesus Abertavin, letters and production by VCs Joe Sabino. Uh, and hey, oh, it's my second pick of the week. Uh, uh, this issue for me is all about tone. I, I can see the events of this issue in a movie. It is an amazing comic, and that's why I love about it so much. But it just jumps off the page. It is so incredible. And more than that, it's it's not just about the action. It's not just about these big character moments. It's about just the way that this moves, the kind of dark wooded path that this issue in particular takes you down. There's one page here that I was, uh, as I was reading, and I turned the page and I went, oh my God, this Spider-Man by Kafu was like, what the hell? That is the most perfect Spider-Man image I've seen in a really long time. Of course, Kafu plays at a ridiculously high level as it further goes down into this like mysterious, dark, dangerous cave, so to speak, or maybe literally. I love the shape of it overall. I think it speaks to the creative team in here, obviously some of the best in comics. As we continue to dig more and more into this stage of Jane Foster's life and see the things that Jane Foster as Valkyrie is is meant to deal with, meant to tackle, it just makes me so, so, so excited for the future of everything with this character. Hell yeah. Yeah. All right, Tucker, we have one more book left and it is my second pick of the week. Yeah, it is. It is Wolverine number one. And the first thing I wrote in my notes is, F- yeah, <laughs> that is what I feel about this yeah. book. It's it's just what it like does to me. I want to pop my claws and I'm very excited about this title. Look, I think we both have a ton to say about this, but I have a little surprise because producer Jorge and I met up a couple days ago right here in the studio. And we got a some sort of mobile recording situation going on. Uh, got like a Bob Barker long microphone. And uh, we went and we had a discussion with somebody involved with this book. Well, maybe we can see what that sounded like, Jorge. Oh, God. Okay, here we go. We're in the studio. And now we're opening the door. And now we're leaving. Okay, folks. We're on an audio tour of Marvel HQ. There's Johnny Delalo. There's Liv. There's Mark Buckwhites. They're wasting time. They're not working. There's the editorial department to my left. There's the main front entrance to the right. Okay, now we're getting into publishing. Look, there's Tales of Suspense number 39, the first appearance of Iron Man. It's a big poster. Oh, God. Emily. Emily Newcomen. Emily. Hello. Goodbye. Okay, here we go. Tim Chang. Hi. People I don't know. Dan Fink, yes. Okay, here it is. Here it is. Jordan, Annalise. Hi, Annalise. I'm in the X office. Annalise, hello. Hello. Okay, hi. hi. Barging in here, Jordan D. White. Hi, how's it going? It's going very well. So I just read Wolverine number one. Oh. 
It is so good. Would do you agree? First of all, of course, it's great. It's a great comic. Just generally speaking, can you talk about working with Ben Percy and the Ben Percyness of this comic book? When we decided we were going to do a Wolverine book, if we had gone to anyone else, he would have murdered us. I'm sure. So in fear, we called him because he's his favorite character of all time. So he loves Wolverine. And working on it is, has been terrific. Like he, ha- he brings a lot of passion to the subject. He's constantly coming up with new and crazier things. I got the script in recently for issue um, 11 of X-Force. And something happens right at the beginning that was so nutty that I was just, I couldn't believe it was happening. I was like, what is happening? What? And it's so, it's gross. And it's exciting. I can't wait for you all to see it. But he immediately uh, uh, stripped off all his clothes and ran naked through the forest (laughs) and came back with this story. I loved working with him. He was so professional and his ideas were great. Um, He actually pitched a miniseries to me that has never actually happened. Uh, So so it was really good, but but it never happened. And it's for... Should I reveal what it, who it's for? Yeah, why not? It, it was Daredevil. It's fine. So, so someday he'll put out a Daredevil book, and you can go, I wonder if that's the one. One, one quick thing. Do you guys write messages to each other in Krakoan? <laughs> okay. There, so to fill people in, there is a sticky note with Krakoan characters on it. What, what's, what's going on here? Well, this, this exists for two reasons. One is that, uh, do you want me to tell you what it says yes. first? Okay, yeah. this is my name. Okay. This says Jordan D. White, um, and it's written in a, a, a four by three square because that's how Krakoan tends to not be grouped like normal words. It's right. it's written in a little square usually, and uh, the the reason I wrote it like this was a just to see what it looked like, but also because um, I was trying to think about what handwritten Krakoan would be because it has so many circles and squares in it, and I was like, you're not going to want to draw every one of those. Yeah. So on this particular writing what I did was if there was a circle I put a dot and if there was a square I put a little dash uh, and so and I think it looks pretty good for him I mean what, do you, what are your thoughts you, I, I like it a lot I think I'm super fascinated by the contortion of like our normal understanding of how like sentences work so I think that's really cool it's and it's on the back of a, a picture of Gungans <laughs> okay no better place to end I'm going back to the studio Jordan thank you so much for talking my pleasure Annalise uh, have a great day. Hope things are going good for you. Thank you very much. You too. Okay. Bye. <laughs> All right. Now we're walking back. Okay. To my right, we have a bunch of other offices. You think that interview went? I think the interview went uh, went uh, just absolutely marvelously spectacular. Really nice guy. Love the X office. Hey, no Chris Robinson in there though. Chris, will come back for you a different time. Okay. <sighs> okay. Now we're coming back. I'm shutting the door. Okay, and now I'm going to send it to myself in the future. Back to you in the studio. Oh, thank you, past me. Yeah, well done, you (laughs) and you and you. You know, absolutely stunning level of out of breath. Uh, <laughs> you, and you, you're not an like an unfit man. Like I don't. It I don't was know. Very disconcerting. It belies, my, I am unwell on the inside. Ooh, that's bad news. <laughs> uh, I love the idea of Ben Percy running around naked in the wilderness. Uh, feels appropriate uh, because this issue opens up with Wolverine in the wilderness, kind kind of naked. Because parts of his skin and muscles and elements oh, are been destroyed. Was so cool. It's 
gross as yeah. hell. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's get into the creative team uh, up top because we've talked about Benjamin Percy, the writer, a whole bunch, but we need to talk about the artists. And there are actually two stories in here. The first story is drawn by Adam Kubert uh, with colors by Frank Martin and lettering by VC's Corey Pettit. Adam, I love, he's got a great history with Wolverine. Like he goes back to Wolverine number 75 mm. uh, in 1993. Three, I think. And his history is that deep with the old Knucklehead. So he knows him inside and out. He's drawn a number of different ways. He's designed the Weapon X version of him that we saw in the Age of Apocalypse, Ultimate version. And, you know, we see this new version. It's the brown and yellow costume, but with tweaks. I particularly love the gloves. I don't know what it is, but I'm like, that glove design is really cool. Yeah. Uh, it's awesome. But we open this issue with a brutal sequence. It is Wolverine's waking up. His body is knitting itself back together. So you see from panel to panel, he gets more and more put back together. And at one point, you're like, you can see his adamantium skull. You can see his teeth. You can see, you know, like organs and then muscle and then full. all his skin is back. But he's not the only one who's in bad shape. There are three other mutants dead by his side and it is a brutal sequence you get the sense of sadness and regret and rage and confusion that i think is really important to wolverine like that sense of who am i what am i doing what is going on what happened in this situation did i let loose what like that level of what wolverine is i think is really important uh, and i like seeing that then you you know shift back to five days prior where Wolverine is playing hide and seek with children on Krakoa. And it is delightful. I just love the back and forth of this storyline. You've got these different elements. It's the multitude of who Wolverine is and whether it's hanging out with Kate Pride, who he's known since she was 13 years old. Now they're hanging out in one of her Marauder ships drinking really terrible booze because he is very basic and doesn't like the good stuff. <laughs> he will just drink the swill that he probably drank in the 1800s. And, you know, you go on and on. We get to see the bigger story going on here that revolves around Krakoa and the medicines and the drug trade and all kinds of wild stuff. It's like wrapped up in everything that is the X-Men right now in a really cool way. I like, I think that is an interesting thing because it feels like it, it is a thread wrapping into numerous books. We've got how many X-Men titles right now? You know, between all the yeah. different series, like seven or eight, right. something like that. Yeah. You don't need to read all of them to understand any of them. But when you do read more than one, you start to fill in bigger pieces and get like a wider swath of things. It's fantastic. Then we get a second story in this because Adam is sort of one artist, but we're going to see art in uh, upcoming issues by Victor Bogdanovich, who we've, we saw him probably within the last like six months, only like once or twice. Yeah. But he's on this. Matthew Wilson is coloring him. VC's Corey Pettit is on the lettering. And Victor Bogdanovich is the future. I think Nick Lowe would agree with you. I remember being in a, in a meeting yeah. where Nick said, Victor's mine. No one touch him. No one talk to him. I want him to do all of my books. Yeah. Uh, uh, it makes sense. He's a star in the making. He's got deep vibes of Greg Capullo. But Victor is also, in, in similar ways to what Adam's doing, is like 
finding interesting ways to break up a page to do something different based on what the story calls for. And this story has Omega Red coming to Krakoa, and it is wild story. Not at all what I expected in this Wolverine book. It's got vampires. It's got you know France. It's got uh, murder and mayhem. And I mean, I guess I expected the murder and mayhem, <laughs> but it's 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 got some really interesting stuff. There's a point in here where Magneto is telling Wolverine. Omega Red needs to stay. He's a mutant. This is what we do. We will keep him in check. We will watch him. He will be punished if he needs to. And this is one of the most important pieces, I think, for all of the new paradigm for mutants. Magneto says, rest assured, resurrection will be available if any become his prey. Wolverine says, resurrection's irrelevant. Immortality don't erase trauma. I know that better than anyone. That is the klaxon right there is like, they can bring back everyone over and over and over again. But there's a piece of you that probably will never forget that that moment. And I think that's really important. And that's part of what Wolverine is. So these kids who die because Omega, if, if he goes and kills a, a, you know, a child, they're, they're going to come back. It's not going to be the same for them. Right. That's not, it's not an okay thing. And that's Wolverine saying, we can't let it get to that. That's not okay. I love this conversation. I love what's going on here. It's, one of the like my favorite launches of recent memory. There's a lot of really cool little things that we're seeing, uh, pieces put in place, and the future looks wild. Yeah, I I I, I won't even start because I have so much praise to give this book. So right? I'll just say that and leave it there because we'll have plenty to talk about going forward. Also wanted to make a quick shout out that there's a free giveaway called Wolverine Through the Years. Ask your local comic shop for it when you go pick up your books. It's got a preview of Wolverine number one. It's got an interview with Benjamin Percy by our friend Jim Beard. It's got a little bit of like, hey, here are some other books you can read if you're excited about Wolverine. Just a little something, a little freebie, whet the appetite, get you going. Nice. Uh, that's what we have for individual issues on sale at your local comic shop this week. But for print collections uh, headed that way as well, we have Death's Head Freelance Peacekeeping Agent, Ghost Rider, The War for Heaven, Book 2, Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 2, Faithless, Gwenpool Strikes Back. So good. That was so Leah Williams. Yeah. Really great. Uh, Marvel's Spider-Man Velocity, Tales Through the Marvel Universe, Taskmaster, Anything Can Do, Uncanny X-Men by Kieran Gillen, The Complete Collection, Volume 2, and Uncanny X-Men Masterworks, Volume 12. The Taskmaster volume has like, it's like 350 pages long, has a ton mm. of Taskmaster issues from across numerous series and years. So if you are like, I see this person is going to be in a movie. I would like to learn more about them. This is a perfect volume for you. And the Masterworks volume of Uncanny X-Men covers a really great time period, Uncanny 194 through 200. But it also includes the X-Men as Guardian Wars storyline, Arthur Adams art in the New Mutant Special Edition and X-Men Annual. It's got a Nightcrawler limited series. It's dope as hell. Nice. Uh, On Marvel Unlimited, we have uh, a ton of books. Some of the more recent stuff includes the first issue of Gwenpool Strikes Back, uh, Leah Williams and David Baldion again. So if you're like, I don't know if I'm going to buy the trade, read it in Marvel Unlimited, then go buy the trade because you're going to be like, oh, this is really good. Mm -hmm. The director's cut of Immortal Hulk, number one, which provides like the script, a lot of behind the scenes stuff. Really great if you are someone who is interested in learning how to make comics, these director's cuts are really cool. Marvel Action, there's a bunch of issues of those that I wanted to point out, but including Marvel Action Captain Marvel number one, 
just so great. It's like Captain Marvel and her flurkin. If you have kids, these are great issues to read with them. Powers of Ten, number two. Punisher Kill Crew, number one. Ooh. Yeah, that book rules, uh, as does Silver Surfer Black, number three. On Marvel Unlimited coming a little bit later in the week, we have issues 30 through 36 of X-Men Unlimited, which is an early 2000s anthology series. Stories by Michael Goldens, Brian Stelfreeze, Jill Thompson, Mike Diodato, David Finch, Jimmy Palmiotti, and Amanda Connor, uh, Gail Simone, Kevin McGuire, Chris Claremont, and a ton more. Wow. Those are really, really fun. And uh, plenty more. We'll have the full list on Marvel.com. Where are you, who are you going to visit next time, Tucker? Ooh, ooh, good question. Straight to the top, Mr. C.B. Sobolski. It's happening. Will it happen? Probably not. Well, I'll talk to Steve. Like, C.B., come over. I'm just, just texting. Can you come over here? And he'd be like, no, I'm busy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, maybe that's something you could do. Sure. But me, no. Fair. <laughs> like, get out of here. Well, we'll figure it out. <laughs> This episode of Marvel's Pull List was produced by Ryan Panagos, Tucker Marcus, Jorge Estrada, and MR Daniel. Our audio development manager is Lauren Wiener. Jill DeBoff is our director of audio. And Brad Barton is the spirit of barbecue burgers and fries we need right now. Just like heart-stopping, yeah. thick Brad burgers. That's why I was breathing so heavily on my audio tour. He's Thanks, just constantly giving you burgers. Yeah. He's fetting you up. <laughs> uh, I'm Ryan. I'm Tucker. This is Marvel. Your universe.